You're listening to the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in on Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or on Spotify. Today, we have an NBA Outsiders edition of the SBNY Podcast, as we do throughout the NBA season. We're here to talk you through the best of the best, some of the teams on the come up, and everything else in between. Today, we are talking about the 76ers and Timberwolves after the cat scuffle with Joel Embiid. A lot of fun stuff there, but also the teams behind the feud, the Sixers and Timberwolves, are also intriguing for a number of reasons. The the Sixers obviously being title contenders and the Wolves trying to prove that they are respectable. They're a real organization, or maybe they're not. We will discuss, as well as the Warriors and their organic tank that may be taking place after Steph Curry's injury. We'll discuss that. And uh, Duffy's son, shout out to John Lucas Duffy, my co-host today on the pod, his sons, the sons. We'll talk about them because maybe, just maybe, they are starting to figure it out. Uh, And that's something to discuss because this whole Western Conference is obviously uh, very good, about one through 11 teams maybe, maybe more than that now. And the Suns are a team we thought may be on the outside looking in, but they're starting to prove They are a real NBA team to consider. So the Suns right there for John Lucas Duffy will be chatting about them, as well as a little talk on the Brooklyn Nets, the New Orleans Pelicans, amongst other things, as we do when we start discussing the NBA. But now it's time for you to stay tuned on the SBNY Podcast. If you like what you've been hearing, don't be bashful. Hop on Apple Podcasts app or iTunes. Drop a subscribe, a rating, and review. Tell us what you like about the show, maybe what we can make better. What do you want to hear more of? Or drop in some takes, because we love to discuss uh, the takes from you guys, whether you drop them to me on Twitter at SportBlogNYC or Pete Kennedy with two Ys on the end. It means the world to me when I get to hear from the listeners on social media and etc. So reach out. Don't be bashful. We love to hear from you. But now it's time to hear from us, me, Pete Kennedy, and John Lucas Duffy on the SportsBlog New York Podcast. Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm joined here with my NBA outsider, co-host extraordinaire, John Lucas Duffy. JLD, what's going on, my brother? What's popping, Pete Peppers? You know what's popping. The NBA season is popping, Duff. It's gonna. It's just like it's left and right. It's all over the place. It's been exciting uh, to start this year out. We had some fireworks on Wednesday night, to say the least. We also had some big disappointments on Wednesday night with Steph Curry's injury and the fireworks I'm speaking of, of course, the Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid feud. But uh, this season, off to a hot start, I must say. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. this I can't believe it's only been a week. It feels like it's already been like two months worth of NBA action at this point. And I feel like we have... I'm going to sound like an idiot here, but I feel like we have a handle on pretty much who everyone is at this point. Yeah. <laughs> With the exception of uh some some injury some teams that have that have some injuries like the Pacers or, or right. uh, teams like that. There's definitely some things we can feel like we now understand a lot better than we did before the season started. And that makes sense. But we also like 
us saying this out loud should probably give us a warning sign that things are still going to change and some team teams are definitely overperforming and some teams are definitely underperforming. Uh, some of the things we're going to get into are going to really get into exactly that situation. Like, is Andrew Wiggins finally figuring it out? Like, is that a thing that we're ready to admit? I don't know, but if you watch the first couple games, it might be something you're thinking about. Um, are the Heat the the most magically lucky franchise to find guys like Kendrick Nunn and, and Tyler Harrow? Maybe. So, like, there are things we learn, but there are definitely things that we want to take pause with because are the Pelicans and Kings this bad? Those are the things we got to think about. Are the Nets this bad? Are the Timberwolves this good? It's a lot of stuff to think about, Duff. And that's what we're here to do tonight. So me and Duff, we're just quick rundown. We're going to talk about the Timberwolves 76ers situation. We're also going to touch on the Warriors. We're going to talk about your sons, the Suns, Duff. Oh my, my sons are back. The Suns. These are, are and these are my sons. You put them up. These are my sons. You started the season, not my sons. Now it's my sons. So you put them up for adoption and you didn't let the kids find out, which was a smart move. And now they're still happy to be living in your house, but they don't. Well, no, one of them got adopted. Oh, true. One of them did mm. get adopted. You sold him off as uh, you pricked him with some drugs, and then they took him in for custody, into yep. custody. <laughs> Poor DeAndre Aiden. Put him on a diet all of a sudden. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get into all that stuff amongst some other things. But let's start off with the, the, big, the big story from Wednesday night, and that has to do with the 76ers and Portland, Trailbla- Portland Trailblazers. What? The Minnesota Timberwolves and Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid really getting into it and Ben Simmons getting involved in that scuffle. Uh, did you enjoy the actual fight or the post-game social media antics more? Uh, I enjoyed the actual fight more because it was in like once once that happened, there was a zero percent chance that Minnesota was going to win that game. Zero, because there was no way the crowd would have let Minnesota win. Like, if they made that close, they would have been screaming. They would have been throwing things on the court. They would have been terrified to win that game. So there was a zero percent chance that the Six were going to lose. I like that. Then everything that went on social media afterward, like, whatever. At the beginning of the season, Joel Embiid, he sat down with Zach Lowe. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to be talking trash anymore. Yeah. Every season he says this. And every season he's talking trash. Four but this time, I don't even know, like, what happened. They, they just, like, got – it was like a bizarre tangle. And then all of a sudden Embiid is just charging at Towns. And then they're on the ground. And then before you know it, Simmons got Towns in a headlock. And Towns is literally trying to tap out on the court. Towns actually tapped out. It's hilarious. But uh, so humble brag, I was at a bar, whatever. What's up? Nice. Uh, but <laughs> when the game was on, that game was on the TV near where the crew I was with was at. And when that happened, like it was a moment where everybody stopped and was like, oh, snap. Like, yo, everybody look at that TV. This is crazy. What's happening right here? Like that was not your typical NBA fight right there. That was closer to your your uncle's NBA fight, right? You know, like, obviously it wasn't, like, late 90s people throwing elbows to the face when someone drives to the to the rack, but for 2019, like, that was, you know, that was physical. That was pretty physical. Yeah, what did you, what did you and Frank say? It was, like, no babies allowed or whatever? Yeah, well, Frank said the, the old NBA adage was uh, no babies allowed, and it was kind of back to that vibe where it was, like, you know, these people aren't getting punked out here. Like, Cat and Embiid, they, you know, they were getting physical. It wasn't a hold-me-back fight, which the NBA has gotten yes. accustomed to, the big hold-me-back league. But uh, And also, if you're going to look at it as a trade-off here, Joel Embiid versus Carl Anthony Towns, you know, isolated one-on-one, who's better? You could probably argue either way, probably go Embiid, right? But if you're going trading off, you'd much rather lose Embiid if you're the Sixers than lose Cat if you're the Timberwolves, right? Every so cl- time. Clearly, the Sixers were better off uh, once the fight 
broke up and the players were ejected. But this game is not even really the crux of what we want to talk about. Obviously, we had to mention that fight it was, as it was a big moment early in this NBA season. Well, now they're both suspended for a couple games moving forward. That is correct. And Simmons got no. off free, by the way. He got no games suspended. Hey, he was just playing peacekeeper. Mm-hmm. And that's our story, and we're sticking to it. <laughs> we're sticking to it. Uh, but talking about these teams, like the actual teams disregarding of the fight that we had and the funny social media stuff about getting raised in the jungle by lions and mm-hmm. uh, Kat calling Joel Embiid a clown and all this stuff, and some bitch talk. I'm pretty sure hashtag bitch talk was used a couple times. Very aggressive stuff out of these two. Um, but the, the two teams are pretty interesting as well. So the Sixers are one of the lone undefeated teams left in the league, them and the San Antonio Spurs of all teams. And then also the Timberwolves were off to a good start. It was a battle of undefeated It was the battle teams. of the undefeated. Exactly. So let's talk about the Sixers first, Duff. Uh, they were my finals pick. They're actually my champion pick uh, this season. I know you are a Sixers guy. You love the team, and you love that that city and being at those games. So early on, are you happy with the performance of the Sixers? Like record aside, obviously you're re- you're happy with undefeated, but the look with some of these new guys with Richardson and Al Horford, etc. Uh, are you thrilled with this team thus far, and what's going to be happening in the next couple months? I I really like that they are. Super different from every other team in the league. It seems they're massive. They're they're when everyone seems to be getting smaller, they're getting bigger. But just as athletic and switchable on defense, and it kind of makes me think of you know the team last year with Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris was it, it seemed like it was constructed to have really competitive second tier wings that could compete with uh, like. The Giannis and the Kawhis and LeBrons and KDs, p- people like that in the playoffs that tend to dominate. Now this year, I think they, they kind of leaned into that super heavy by getting Horford, who's generally been their biggest foil for Joel Embiid. And now they have someone like, they got Horford, Embiid, Simmons, and Thibel, and possibly Richardson to throw at people like Giannis who's really going to be their only competition, but people like Giannis or on the Celtics, I guess Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, and uh, Jalen Brown. But th- they have the best defensive team in the league, and it's not its not going to be close. I think and it would be, clo- be close to what, one, one team, the Jazz. That's it. Uh, yes, yes, because they have uh, Rudy Gobert. But I think I, as the, he's a better anchor on defense than Embiid is, but I think... If you, removing those two guys from the equation, I would take the rest of the Sixers starting five over the Heat starting five. Uh, the Jazz, yeah. The personnel. Or, per- yes, Jazz, I'm sorry. Personnel, for sure. I just think schematically and like their just will to defend will help out in that regard. But personnel-wise, Sixers unmatched. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm really excited about the Sixers in that regard. I'm going to enjoy just watching them shit talk. And it's going to be kind of ugly, but as long as they're winning. Well, what's cool about a team like this is they can afford some off offensive nights because their defense is so good, because they can get in transition with Ben Simmons and just create points off turnovers. Uh, so they, they can afford tough offensive stretches. Uh, but what will be very interesting to me, and I think the, the number one concern for them and the number one thing to look out for when you're looking – Obviously, like you know, you know, we talk about a team like the Sixers. You're striving for perfection. You're striving for greatness. Shout out to LeBron. Um, 
so you're you're gonna you're gonna be nitpicky. You're gonna pick apart every little thing you can because it's not about beating the Hawks on a Tuesday in uh, November. It's about beating the Bucks in the playoffs in the conference finals. So the one thing I think is gonna be a point of interest here for Sixers fans and and the Sixers alike will be who's closing. Like, what do you do when it is a tight game and you need a bucket? Like, is it Tobias Harris time? Because well, that- Brett Brown said it's gonna be it's gonna be Embiid. Uh, Right, and that doesn't really make me excited either, though. Right, I don't know if Embiid's the guy I want back to the basket uh, when it's that late in a game. We know Ben Simmons isn't the ideal candidate with his lack of shooting, and I don't think Josh Richardson is that far off as a closer to Tobias Harris, and I don't think that's a great thing for Josh Richardson. I think that's kind of showing that Tobias Harris has never been that type of guy. So do you agree at least that this is the biggest point of contention for this team? Late game situations have always been the toughest thing for the Sixers, but I'm going to disagree with you. I think you're kind of selling Tobias Harris short here. I I don't think he, when he's going, and I think he's just having trouble finding his footing here. When he's going, he is much, much better and much more skilled and has many more options than Josh Richardson in terms of scoring on offense. And then you're saying you don't want a back to the basket guy to close out games. I mean, yeah, I guess it's not the way things are going, like the way the league is shifting right now, but Embiid compared to, like, who who else would you rather have closing games out in the Eastern Conference? Like, besides maybe Giannis, there's no one else. Jimmy Butler. No, I'll take Embiid. I'm taking- I, I watched that movie. I think, I, I'm, I, I'm good. I think the Sixers proved last year that Jimmy Butler is that guy, is better at it than, than Embiid, 100%. He was no, the- I, dis- I disagree. I disagree. I, he got the ball in those situations, I guess, but I, no I don't. No one else wanted. I would, it. as I would rather have Embiid with his back to the basket. Also, let's, try, let's trying to go to work because there's no one. There's no one in this conference who can guard. Let, there's not one single person. Let's be honest, though, as well. Part of my issue with Joel Embiid is that who who knows if he's going to try to hang out at the top of the key and face up, like because he does that far too often as well. He doesn't want to do that. He has to do it for spacing purposes. He does that a lot. He wants to chuck three threes a game. Come on. I disagree. He wants it. He only took one three against the Timberwolves. I mean, granted, he only he got bounced, but he played. He played twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. That's 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 still more than like half the game for him. Yeah, it's true. Uh, well, I don't I don't know. I, I, Tobias Harris has never been that guy for me. Like I I think he's a very solid player, and he's perfectly. Who who besides? The, like you say, Jimmy Butler. I say that's debatable. Uh, that's, like I'll take maybe debatable. Giannis has him by like a slight edge because of the ball handling ability. In but. the East alone, like you know, Kyrie, if maybe. Uh, he's a pretty damn. But then closer. you you're talking about free throw percentage. Like he does, and beat his free throw percentage is worse than Harden's. Giannis just airballed two free throws last night. Oh, facts. I'm not saying, but Giannis could also take the ball from anywhere on the court and make plays and do some other things that Embiid clearly can't. I think even compare it to like this though, Jokic is clearly a better playmaker than Joel Embiid, right? And even in Nuggets late game situations, they're often turning to Jamal Murray because he can shoot off the dribble better than Jokic can, than Embiid can. So, like, I don't know if that's, yeah, perfect, but he, I don't know if that's he, a perfect situation for the Nuggets, but even a guy like Jokic who can do more with the ball in his hand than Embiid can, he, he's still not the perfect candidate just because with those big guys, you know, the refs are going to eat refs eat the whistles a little bit at the end. Like, it's tough. I don't think you want a center closing games out for you. I don't know. I just don't know if that, that's good for me. I don't have I don't have an issue with it. We talk about the differences between game planning for the NFL and the NBA. We've talked about it before. In the NFL, you really want to you want to deceive your opponent. You want to disguise certain defenses and offenses, play action, whatever. 
in the NBA, everyone knows what everyone else is going to do. Are you a high screen and roll, side screen and roll? Are you going to post up? Are you going to have some type of motion? Are you going to have pass out of the high post like the, the Nuggets do a lot? Everyone knows what the other team is going to do. It's just a matter of execution. I'm fine getting and beat the ball in the post as long as they get him the ball in a good position to score. And what I mean by that is with close within 10 feet of the basket. I don't want him posting up 15 feet or more because then he's too far. He's got to face up. And then that's where you're talking about. He's got to put the ball on the deck. There's a lot of moving pieces for someone that big. Right. They need to do a better job of executing and getting him open closer to the basket. Other than that, I have no issue because once he gets the ball inside 10 feet, I like his chances against anyone in the league. Fair enough. Anyone in the league to score, get fouled, or pass out of a double team. And then that becomes a Brett Brown situation. Can he get his guys in the right situations late in games? Because he hasn't been... uh, That's what I'm getting. He hasn't been passing that test with flying colors. Let's let's start to move on here quick because I don't want to lose you before you have to run. Uh, A couple Mm -hmm. names I'm just going to throw out here. Kemba and or Gordon Hayward could possibly be in the closer conversation. Uh, it would be interesting to see if Trey Young can enter that conversation this year. I'm, and I'm just talking Eastern Conference right now. And uh, I'd probably take Blake Griffin uh, and put him in that conversation as well when he comes back from injury. Same with Victor Oladipo. But moving on, the Sixers are awesome. They're going to be fun to watch. Tybal's been a blast to watch play defense. Uh, he is a ball hawk. For real. He's a straight-up ball hawk. It's insane. He just he he just goes for turn. I mean, he's going to get bit by this at some point, but right now he's on he's on fire. Yeah, he's on fire. Ben Simmons will take a three at some point. We shall see. Uh, but real quick, let's talk about the Timberwolves. And I don't want to. Or no, we don't need three pointers. It's fine. It's okay. It's all good until it until it's not. Um, Timberwolves though, real quick, they started off pretty good this year. Carlton Towns on an absolute tear, and not uh, for naught. They've been winning some games. Andrew Wiggins also been playing well. Let's not spend too much time here, but is there a new leaf in Minnesota? Is Ryan Saunders uh, putting some good culture around here, or uh, do you think they're just off to a hot start? Um, I hope so. This is a team we both really loved when we were in college, just because they had so much young talent. And then, you know, they kind of they they jumped the gun with the Jimmy Butler trade and getting Tibbs, and they made the playoffs. But they got bounced in the first round, and now this team, I think, hopefully, are they're old enough to kind of stand on their own legs here with with Towns and Wiggins specifically. They're, what, 24, 25, going on 25 here? They're right around – I think Towns was in, like, my grade. So <laughs> uh, they, they this is when they're supposed to start developing and maturing. Like, I get it. People are in the league sooner. So we expect that a big jump, like, two, three, maybe four years in the league. But it almost always comes – around when guys turn the age 25, 26. So that's really when we need to start judging them. Like Wiggins, this is a do or die season for him. Towns, I'm stoked. He's averaging 27 points, almost 12 rebounds, four assists, almost three steals and two blocks a game. Monster that's stuff. disgusting. Just monster stuff. The guy's incredible. It's 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 hilarious to watch him play sometimes offensively. You're just like, how is this dude able to do all of these things like this well? It is honestly not fair. Like, I, I actually I love watching him shoot threes. I think it's so funny. He just stands there and flicks his wrist. Hardly jumps. Like that's what Hardly that's jumps. what Embiid needs to start doing. He's got too many moving parts in his jump shot. Towns, he literally stands there. It's a set shot. He doesn't even jump. He just flicks. I love it. Yeah, it's really good. He's incredible to watch. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of agree with you. I still don't think playoffs is like in their this year future. I just think the West is going to be too good. Um, but they're going to be a much more respected team and actually feel like they're building something here. And I think I love Ryan Saunders. I heard him on a podcast over the summer. Very impressed with that guy. And uh, they've made some nice picks. Like, I like Culver. 
I think Akoji was a great uh, another great draft pick for them. I think um, having Robert Covington there can really help out Andrew Wiggins because clearly he didn't become the defensive stopper that we all thought his floor was as an NBA prospect. Uh, yeah. So I, I think they've done some some okay things there. Need to figure out point guard a little better. I don't think we're going to look at the Timberwolves as a laughing stock. We'll look at them as a respected uh, organization with something to build on. And shout out to you, Duff, because when that trade happened for Jimmy Butler, Timberwolves fans were rejoicing. And yeah, they had a great season for them, for their standards, right? They made the playoffs. You yeah. were, as soon as that trade got uh, approved, you were like, this is terrible. The Timberwolves are now the losers of draft night. And everybody freaked out. It was one of our biggest articles ever back when sportsblognewyork.com was a website. People were sending us emails like, this guy, what do you hire high school kids to write for you? Some One guy actually wrote a really nice thing. He's like, I've been waiting for somebody to say this the whole time. But you basically said you moved too fast by bringing Butler in. The rest of the team's not ready. He's going to make you think you're something you're not. And you couldn't have been more spot on. But now they're becoming something. So I don't know if you have anything to add on Timberwolves, but shout out to you there. I just I just want to add one thing, and I, I appreciate that you remember that because I remember it too, and I'm happy that I was right about it. Um. I wouldn't rule the Timberwolves out for playoffs. Not entirely. I don't think they'll be like a three seed or whatever, but they, I think they're, they know who they are. I think Ryan Saunders has been with this team forever. Like, and including when he was a kid, when his dad was there. So like, he's just been around this so long and around the same franchise. He knows it. I'm pretty sure it's the same ownership. He kind of knows how the franchise works, how it's, relevant to the city like he, he gets the ins and outs and the details of it and now like i said the, the towns wiggins they're about to be 25 they know they know what they are and i think saunders knows who everyone is and it's just a matter of like we said before putting them in the right situations to succeed so far they've been doing that mainly with towns carrying the load which is what he's supposed to be doing at this point so I, I wouldn't rule them out because I look at a team like the Rockets, let's say, and they they look like they have no fucking clue what they are and what they're doing right now. And yet they're like, three and one. <laughs> not a clue. They stole a game against the Wizards, though. They 100% should have lost they that They gave up game. 157 points. Like, that's insane. 58. 158. It was 159 to 158. They were down insane. 10 with, like, four minutes to go somehow, and they came back and won. And it was hard to 59 points. Like, it's, I don't know. I don't know what to say there. We don't have time to talk about the Rockets. But, hey, the Timberwolves are going to be friskier than we thought, and I think that's great for the league. Uh, speaking of frisky, we are going to talk about the Suns, but before we get to them, we're actually going to talk about the team that uh, lost their star against the Suns, the Golden State Warriors and Stephen Curry. So my, I'm going to keep it quick here, quick and simple, and you could add what you got here. They now have the perfect excuse for the organic tank, the comp to the Spurs when they lost David Robinson and ended up tanking, in, in theory, for Tim Duncan. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know the rest of that history. The, mm-hmm. the Warriors can be in that realm. They were already off to a bad start. I thought they were going to start to figure things out and start winning some games. And, you know, they, they did win a nice game against the Pelicans a couple nights ago. Obviously, Steph gets hurt now. Uh, is this season just a wash for them? Is it a done season and now they're looking forward to the future? Is that is that all we have to say about the Warriors now? Or is there any way to salvage this into still a possible playoff berth? They should sit Steph and then just load manage his ass for the rest of the season. Like as soon as he comes back from this injury, it doesn't not. It's not worth it just to have him play. This team stinks. They stink out loud. Stink on. They're ice. bad. They're they're like actually a bad team. Once you get past Steph, uh, D'Lo, and 
Draymond. You got like Eric Pascal, Willie Cauley Stein, Glenn Robinson the third, Jordan Poole, Marquise Chris, Omari Spellman, Alec Burks. They they have a bunch of guys who they don't have like prospects. They have a bunch of like wait and see guys. But That's not they're not even like but we've they're not even waiting. like we've already been waiting for these guys too. Like, you know, right, exactly. Exactly. That's that's what I'm getting at here. It's it's their other teams already gave up on them. And it's not like the Knicks who are trying to like collect lottery picks that were out. These are like late first round guys that they're trying to s- snatch up here. Right. So I, I I this team stinks. So and they should just sit him down. Blessing and a curse. Obviously, you'd hate to see anyone get injured with Steph Curry, a quick recovery. But if they are able to now get a top five pick and then bring back a healthy Steph, a healthy Clay, a healthy Dre next year with, you know, a top five stud, yeah, they can be set up for a couple good years after that. Um, and Steph Curry's MVP hopes are now gone officially. Yeah, good thing they traded fuck or they, they signed Draymond Green to like a max deal before the season even started. That was probably a good move. I I called that stupid as soon as it happened, and I everyone did. Literally everyone except the Warriors did. Draymond. I guess they're trying to take care of their guy, or whatever. But I respect that. But also, but also con- he cost you Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant pretty much said as much. Contract so. year Draymond would have been something great to watch. Oh my god. Anyways, let's move on. And that- he cost them Kevin Durant. Eh. Eh. KD said that was a factor. Eh. Uh, I think KD wanted to get out anyway. He, you know, KD's just trying to do different stuff. He's trying to be all over the place, and I think he was leaving anyway. But yeah, whatever. Right. I digress. I digress. Let's talk about your sons, the Suns. Phoenix off to a nice little start here uh, in the beginning of the season. They're three and two. They lost DeAndre Ayton to suspension. He will be back at some point, of course. But this team is frisky. Kelly Oubre. Shout out to my guy because I've loved that dude since the draft. Thought the Wizards never really got him going. Happy to see him doing some meaningful stuff uh, for Phoenix. And uh, are your sons, the Suns, like actually going to be frisky all year? Or did they just get off to a hot start? They're going to be frisky for about the next 22 games. When does DeAndre Ayton come back? Twenty, I think 25 game suspension. Yeah, so the next 22 games will be frisky. DeAndre Ayton stinks, people. I, I've I've been saying this since the beginning. I said it. Early this season, when we did the over/under, I, I can hear you hitting down. I'm, on I'm slamming you're, you're my em- table right now. Emphatically making this point. Continue. I'm I'm just tired of hearing about him. Like it, we said it before the draft that they should have just taken Doncic. We they uh, and we're saying it now. It, it every game I watched them play last year, they would be tied with t- you know like four, five, six minutes ago. Whenever they put the starters back in the rotation. They come back and they lose by double digits because they take Rashawn Holmes out and they put in DeAndre Ayton. Like, that's how you can't have that from your number one pick, even in his rookie season. Like, he can't be making you 10 points worse in six minutes. But consistently, he would do that. I have a and question. And now question. He's, he's, out, he's out off the team for the next 25 games or so. And they just have a, this team just has a bunch of adults. Like, now they finally have some adults. I feel like Devin Booker has taken a good step to, to let Rubio, like, finally he's playing with a point guard. Again, like finally as Ricky Rubio can give Rubio the ball, let him kind of be the adult in the room. And even even in the game last night that Rubio was kind of in in other late game situations where I would have seen the Suns kind of just completely lose it and not know what to do in a, in a certain situation. He would pull it out. He would slow everyone down, say, hey, we're up by 10. Clock's our friend. Let's just get a good shot. Or and then he would just get like fouled, like something stupid. But he's like, let the other team make the mistakes. Right. We don't have to be that team. Just 
stay composed. And I think that's what they're finally doing. And yeah, I, 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 I wanted to, I'm trying not to forget my other questions. I have a question for you, but to, to jump off that quick before we go to my question here, even just look at the roster. Now there's NBA players here. They're not the, the flashiest names, but you look at Aaron Baines and Frank Kaminsky and Dario Saric, like these are respectable NBA professional basketball players. It's and not, even their younger guys like Mikael Bridges and Cameron Johnson were were and, older coming out of college. And they have Tyler Johnson and they have Javon, Javon Carter, Carter, who's a just a a well hardened like a well. He's a second year, thirty year old man. Like that's yeah. the type of dude he is. He was one of those guys in college that played for eight years, like. Like uh, Perry Ellis in Kansas, hundred percent. He plays hard nosed defense. He's you know fundamentally sound. He's all that stuff. And then obviously you throw in Devin Booker and the chance for him to just carry an offense. And Cal Ubre averaging eighteen points through five games. Like that's a that's a real team. That's a real team. So good for the Suns. I think I think it's no joke. But my question is to you because this was something during the draft time with DeAndre Ayton. It's like oh it's the Phoenix Suns. He played at Arizona. It's his backyard. Isn't it hilarious to think that actually had some sort of effect on this franchise to make the pick? Because now two years into their career, did it? I, I, it, I was that like, confirmed? Yeah. Oh, you think I, so? I feel like it had to have. I mean, he okay. he was saying it. As soon as he finished his season, he's like, "I want to go number one. I want to be drafted by the same state. This is my hometown." Blah blah blah. Like, like how does a franchise then pass this guy up? Right? Like that's the kind of thing you think about. Is it easily pass him up? He's not even from America. He's well, from the Bahamas. Yeah, but he's he like I'm pretty sure he's like from Arizona. He went to high school and, and college, there, but yeah, that's like count yeah. it. like Marcus All, Memphis, same shit. Anyway, whatever. Uh, he wanted the he wanted the extra guaranteed couple million dollars a year. Like please. I know I know what he wanted, but from the franchise perspective, they felt like they couldn't pass this guy up for, and that was definitely a factor. I don't know if it was the only factor, but it was a factor. Now one year into the league. Like it is unquestionable that they clearly pass up the better player. So did the Kings, and everybody with a freaking brain cell knew it was true. Everybody in, in with the brain cell knew it was true. Like it's, it wasn't even close. But can you believe that that was a factor? It's like, oh well, thank God we got the Arizona kid, and we're the Phoenix Suns. Like that actually played an effect. I really believe that. I, I I'm even, not I disagreeing with you. I just it's it's ridiculous. I don't even know what my question is. I'm just outraged. I'm just outraged. I agree. I, I too a, am outraged. I did a hit on our a friend of the show, Jake Asman, his radio show at the time. He's with SB Nation Radio now to do the NBA draft, and he's like, "So who's going to be the number one pick?" And I was like, "Well, let me make sure um, you're asking the right question. You want to know who's going to be the number one pick or who's going to be the best player in the draft?" He's like, um, "Well, I, usually it's the same, but clearly it's not for you. Who's going who's going to be the best player?" I was like, "It's going to be Luka Doncic. It's not close." Like everybody knew that, everybody, and yet here the Suns are with out DeAndre even, and they're better than they were before. Even if people were doing it for like the wrong reasons with Doncic, because I I hear other people talk about him and in, in like the media and they're just like they were basically were making fun of everyone for picking Doncic to go number one. It's like, dude, we haven't seen this guy and neither has anyone else. Like, but what that wasn't true. Like for a long time, I was even not. It was basically early in the season after we didn't know how long Michael Porter was going to be out. I wanted him to be the number one pick. Right. And everyone's talking about this Doncic guy. I'm like, all right, let me check him out. I'm watching his YouTube. I'm like, eh, a lot of this game is predicated on physicality. I don't think that'll translate to the NBA. And then over the course of the season, I was watching him on these. Uh, basically, it's, it was pretty much just highlights. I wasn't watching full games, but I could still see like he's adding step backs. He's throwing one-handed cross-court passes. Like he's doing, he's making NBA plays. And that was really where you saw the growth. DeAndre and everyone talked about this guy being a fucking hyper competitive, 
He's like KG. He's this. He's that. That's who he compares himself to. Which I never saw. And then in practice, people would would see him like laughing and joking all the time. And he got bounced in the first round by fucking Buffalo in in the NCAA tournament. Like, I get it. The NCAA, we've had number one picks that didn't even. Yeah, for sure. And guess what? One of them's like a fucking bust, and then the other one's an all-star. Both of them got picked by the Sixers. That's not important. What is important is Zach Levine on a podcast with Zach Lowe only last week, or maybe it was earlier this week, he had a KG story. KG was like 40 years old in Minnesota. He was in practice, like hyping himself up, talking to himself. He got there hours before anyone to a practice at like five o'clock in the morning. When he he's sweating bullets anymore. just running sprints on the court. Yeah. And that was when Kevin Garnett didn't even log minutes for the team. Like he didn't even play. He, he didn't was, even play. He's like a player coach. <laughs> you think fucking DeAndre Aiden's like that guy? No. You think if he thinks he's like that guy, he's fucking delusional. Yeah. Delusional. Delusional. It's it's terrible. It's rough. Uh and also I remember I this is where I, I learned about Luca was the FIBA World Cup. The or the, the Euro Cup, sorry, not the, yeah. the World Cup. The Euro Cup. I saw a game when Luca was not even drafted yet. Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic and Kristaps Porzingis both in the same game, and Doncic was the best player on the court, not particularly close. Like that's saying something for a seventeen-year-old, eighteen-year-old. Like, come on mm-hmm. now, uh, we got to move on. Do you have any more time? Quick hitting. Uh, I don't really. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hit me some. You got some quick hit questions here. All right. Yeah, let's go. Quick hit. We can do a couple sentence answer here. Ready? Who are you more worried about out of the teams that have not got a win yet? Quick note, Pelicans could have a win by the time this podcast is out. Pelicans or Kings haven't got a win yet. Who are you more worried about? I am more worried about the Kings, and here's why. They're missing Marvin Bagley. Last season, they went 9-11 and 11 in the tw- So the fact that they've gone, they got trounced by the Suns that still had DeAndre Ayton by 30, and then they got beat by the Hornets last night by 7 in a game that was never really that close. I watched most of the second half because I'm sick like that. And this, the Hornets dominated that whole second half. The Kings were playing without any particular passion whatsoever. It was kind of disgusting to watch, actually. And the Pelicans are missing Zion, who I think is going to be way more important to their team than Marvin Bagley is to the Kings. Uh, and also, quick, on the Pelicans, you're not, not over- extraordinarily worried for them? They're going to start getting some wins here? Is that what you're saying? Um, I mean... I don't. I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do with that. I mean, when I watch them, they actually look good, but they just don't have anyone to close the game out. Right. Brandon Ingram. That, is, that was their problem against the Raptors in opening night, a game they should have won, but they just couldn't. They couldn't continue to score. Yeah. And a quick shout: Brandon Ingram's looked very good. Drew Holiday's been a yes. little banged up, so maybe if he starts getting together, he'll he'll uh, help that situation out. I think the Pelicans are gonna be fine. I don't think they're a playoff team to begin with. Uh, now watching the first four games is going to be super hard for them to get in, even when Zion yeah. starts bringing the energy uh, for that franchise. All right. I la- think the Mavericks are who I thought the Pelicans would be. That's kind of how it's looking. Very nice. I like that analogy. So, quick, you're pleased with the with the Mavericks? If not, uh, a little surprised with how good they've looked? I love the Mavericks. I saw one game that they won. Who they opened the season? I don't even remember. But I basically just watched one game, and I was like, oh, shit, this team is so much better than I thought. And they're they're basically just good top to bottom, whether it's Doncic, Porzingis, JJ Barea, Delon Wright, Dwight Powell. JJ's not Jalen Brunson is JJ's sick. Hurt. 
JJ Barrett is hurt, but Jalen Brunson is basically JJ Barrett. No, no, I'm just talking about Seth Curry. Like oh, they great. just have a Maxi Kleber, Tim Hardaway Jr. They just have so many guys Dwight that you Powell. that you like would want on your team. Right. Not maybe not like star players, but they have guys that you want. Like Chris Vernon always talks about guys that don't suck. Like I just here's just eight guys I know aren't going to suck in the draft that people are overlooking. They, they have like eight guys on their team that they know aren't going to suck on a night to night basis. Like they're always going to be solid. And I love I love Kleba and his energy. He's been fantastic for them. Uh, Steph Curry just shoots the freaking lights out. He's sick. It's crazy. All right, one last question. I know you got to run. Uh, who are you more worried about? The Nets and them becoming the respectable playoff contender that we thought they were going to be, or the Bucks and them still being the best of the best in the Eastern Conference because they've been off to a lackluster start for their standards. I'm worried about I'm more worried about the Bucks, and here's why: the Nets' expectations are essentially they're they're not to win a championship. Their their Nets off season this past off season is going to be based on performance next season. That's why I'm not too worried about the Nets. They kind of just have to get through this season without embarrassing themselves. So far, a little rocky, but <laughs> they they can write that ship and just kind of like maybe sneak in as an AC whatever. Like I really don't think here's the here are teams here are some teams that are above them on the on the standings right now: the Cavaliers, the Hawks, the Hornets, the Pistons, the Wizards. Like I don't think that's where they're going to be down at the bottom with the Knicks and the Bulls by the end of the season. So I'm not too worried about them. The Bucks is championship or bust. They're always everyone's going to turn this into a where's Giannis going to go? Where's he going to sign? Two seasons off seasons from now, like they need to kind of get their shit together, and uh, it starts with him. But they need to have their shit together, otherwise the narrative flip on them that quick. Yeah, I remember in our over under podcast, I tried to really emphasize the point of losing Malcolm Brogdon and how I thought he was their second best player at times last year. I think that's showing right away. I mean, that guy just does so much for a team, so much that you don't notice, so much that you do notice. Uh, the Lopez, He's like a Swiss Army knife. Right. The Lopez brothers are fine. Middleton is who we know he is. Bledsoe is a train wreck at times. He's great at other times. Brogdon was so consistent. He's so solid. They're going to miss him a lot. This team is obviously going to be a top seed in the East, but can they match up properly with the Sixers? That's why I'm, I agree with you. I'm more worried about the Bucks being the top-tier contender that they should be rather than the Nets being a five-seed. You know, I'm not worried about the Nets being a five- or six-seed, but I am worried about the Bucks and what they lost in Brogdon and how they can still compete with the best of the best because who cares if the Bucks can beat the Hawks or can beat the Cavs or the Magic, uh, but if they can't beat the Nuggets and the Sixers and the Lakers and the Clippers, then they're a big disappointment. So I'm way more worried about the Bucks and their full roster rather than the Nets. All right, tough. I hear you. I, know this I agree. A quick, I got to wrap up here. Quick one for you. So say goodbye to John Lucas Duffy. I'll close out for you. Duff, thank you very much as always. Thanks, Pete. I'll talk to you later. All right. Well, there it was. John Lucas Duffy and me, Pete Kennedy. Thank you guys as always for listening to some good NBA talk here on the Sports Blog New York podcast. Going to have more NBA stuff as the season progresses as we do here on the SBNY podcast. And don't forget about football season. It is right in the thick of it all. So we'll be getting into some football as well in the coming weeks. But as always, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me when you guys tune in, when you hit me on Twitter, at Pete Kennedy with two Ys or at SportBlogNYC. And if you have a moment while you're listening, maybe while you're done listening, who cares, hop on to Apple Podcasts app, drop a little subscribe, a rating, and a review. Tell us what you think about the pod, what you want to hear more of, and uh, maybe some takes of your own. And we'd love to talk about it here on the podcast. So that's it. Today is over. 
for the SBNY Podcast. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.